Welcome everyone to Invested, a limited series by Behind the Human and KPMG High Growth Ventures. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the minds of early stage investors to surface actionable insights for founders and startups to mentally and financially thrive. There is more dry venture capital dry powder today than there has been in the history of the world. So even though we're nervous given what's going on in the market, there's a lot of dry powder. And I think that dry powder will serve as a cushion um, against um, bringing us into a market like the one we saw in 2001 and 2002 with the dot-com crash where funding just really, really dried up. Today, I'm speaking with Melissa, who is the CEO of Lighter Capital, the leader in revenue-based financing for SaaS companies. What lights you up about working with founders? Oh, well, um, I was a founder, but (laughs) I think founders are the most fascinating people in the world. And it's just... I say this every day and our, our team thinks this, um, it's, it's absolutely in our DNA at Lighter that it's, we're so privileged that our customers are founders and we're mm. helping them with one of their most fundamental needs, which is funding and helping them in a really benign way. So, um, you know, this is all the things that you would have heard in other places, but you know, they're trying to change the world. They're the rule sure. rules breakers. They're not looking at what can't be done. They're looking at what might be able to be done. And they're, you know, they're always um, working against the odds and, and fine with that. They're comfortable at working in ambiguity. So they're just, um, you know, the most fascinating people on the planet. So well said, that's a, a beautiful sentiment to how you described um, working with founders, I, I totally agree. It's it's a, definitely a different breed. Um, mm-hmm. How did you then, like, just just before we jump into everything, like a little bit of your background? I mean, you um, you've been a founder yourself, and and having done the research, I, I know a bit about that. So, what? You, why don't you share a little bit of your backstory as a founder, and I guess a bit of the path on how you landed in I at first I think angel investing and you, did you do some venture capital as well and then now obviously what yeah. you're doing at lighter okay mm. yeah so I I was a very entrepreneurial kid you know Kool-Aid stands little businesses all of that had a business in college but not not every entrepreneur there's a lot of successful entrepreneurs that came into it later so that does not have to be part of the story I found that out when I did a little stint studying entrepreneurs I taught the class um in entrepreneurship at University of Washington's um, MBA program. And okay. in studying it, you know, there's a lot of myths out there that aren't true. And, and, you know, that's one of them is that a lot of really successful entrepreneurs sort of didn't have any kind of the typical entrepreneurial DNA, you know, until later in life. But I was definitely one of the, I was very entrepreneurial as a kid and even as a young kid. But um, I had a business in college. And then right after college, a friend of mine's father, um, hired me to run a, a turnaround business that he was, that he had just bought. So um, we did that. He got a really good return, a 15X return on his investment. And then I went in, I went to business school and um, learned. Um, you jumped about, right in. <laughs> for me? I said, you just jumped right into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it was, it was not the plan, but I, I was given that opportunity. Sure. And, um, 
and, and did that. And then I went to business school and learned about tech businesses and spent some time at an investment bank at Goldman, you know, seeing how tech valuations are much higher than, than other valuations. And there was an opportunity to start a, an enterprise software company. And I started that in Silicon Valley. Um, it was called Seven Software, and we automated procurement for large corporations. And then I sold that um, to Concur Technologies mm-hmm. and um, became an angel investor and then became a venture capitalist. I joined a venture capital firm in Seattle. And then in um, the late... Audis, I moved to Australia with my Australian husband and I got okay. pretty involved in what was a very nascent uh, startup ecosystem in Australia that has grown a lot since 2009. Um, and most recently I was running NAB Ventures. I was a partner at National Australia Bank Ventures um, and we invested in 2018 into this company called Lighter Capital. That's a Seattle-based mm. company that was the uh, pioneer is the pioneer and leader in this revenue-based financing for SaaS companies. Um, and I okay. went on the board there and just fell in love with the company. I'd never been involved in a business whose customers loved them so much. And when yeah. we did the due diligence as an investor, you know, I couldn't believe this was a random sampling. You know, we had chosen a random sampling of their customers to talk to. And and there was just there was such a, a strong affinity lighter capitals customers had for the business because they you know they gave them funding in a really benign way easy to get you know it wasn't the typical funding path you would go down to raise venture capital which is you know quite difficult takes a lot of time it's um you know it's really hard you're putting out there putting your baby out there all the time and being told it's you know it's ugly and, you know, yeah. our process at Lighter Capital isn't like that at all. The application takes under 10 minutes um, if you're a slow typer. And it's our decision is completely based on data. And if we can't fund you, we'll tell you exactly why. Either, you know, maybe your churn was too high or you don't have enough revenue yet. We could maybe fund you later. But, you know, there's there's really um, hardly anything that's subjective that goes into the decision making. So it's a really, really nice and fair process for entrepreneurs. Amazing. It became lighter CEO in 2020. So I jumped from the board okay. position, venture capital, back into an operating role as lighter CEO. Okay, gotcha. We're gonna. I, I definitely want to ask you more about just the how how the financing is a bit different and whatnot, and we'll jump in that a, li- a little bit later in the conversation. Is I think we'll probably have a whole chat around just financing and access to financing and funds okay. and whatnot right now because you know that's obviously. Uh, I would say a high point of stress for a lot of founders uh, on an, on a, in a regular market, uh, yeah. you know, but then you, you layer on what's going on right now in the world. So I definitely want to jump into that. But before I just, I'd like to just level set with you on, you know, if you had to describe, just pick one word that intuitively comes to mind, just the, the, the market that founders are currently operating in, like what would be that descriptor for you? Um, challenging, just one word. <laughs> oh, go ahead. We'll let you cheat. <laughs> I would, uh, it's challenging, more challenging than in the past. We've been in a bull market since 2009 on the venture side. So for a very long time. Um, but that said, there's actually more, I just learned this yesterday from Silicon Valley Bank's chief economist, but there is more okay. dry venture capital dry powder today than there has been in the history of the world. So even though we're nervous, given what's going on in the market, there's a lot of dry powder. And I think 
that dry powder will serve as a cushion um, against um, bringing us into a market like the one we saw in 2001 and 2002 with the dot-com crash where funding just really, really dried up. And that's because unless LPs pull back their funding, you know, venture firms do have to deploy capital. Okay. Yeah, I was going to ask just for, for people that may not understand the term, like what, what is dry powder? Oh, sorry. What's the terminology? <laughs> yeah. Thank you for asking that. So, so when a venture um, capital fund raises a fund, so for example, let's say they raised a hundred million dollar fund, and they that means they have a hundred million in commitments it's committed from you know individuals or institutions, and if they've deployed ten million of that, then there's ninety million in dry powder. Oh, got you. Okay. And there's yeah. more dry powder from US VCs today than there ever has been because so many funds were raised. Um, when you think about funds are usually um, 10 year funds, but they're usually the commitments are usually made in the first three years and the deployments happen sort of in the most of the deployments happen in the first five to six years, five to six, seven with in terms of a venture capital fund making their initial investment and then doing a follow on. So there's all these funds that were raised in, um, you know, more of a bull market pre January this year. So there's a lot of dry powder, a lot of venture capital dollars sitting on the sidelines right now, which is a good thing for entrepreneurs. Yeah. Interesting. So what what are you seeing though in the market in general for, because I keep hearing things like, you know, to, to, to raise your next round. I mean, they're not too long ago, the valuations were obviously quite high and those are starting to be corrected. And there seems to be a shift from growth at all costs to mm profitability or at least near-term profitability and mm-hmm. like a really solid road to profitability. Um, what are you seeing showing up for founders from a, from a mental well-being standpoint, just trying to navigate all of this? Like where are the friction points? Yeah. Well, um, I think the most stressful thing for a founder, and there's a lot of stressful things as a founder, it's a very stressful job is, but the, the, possibility of running out of cash before you can, you know, make that next milestone in your company's life. So um, with that being more uncertain, that would absolutely increase stress. Um, You could pretty much count on in the past 12 years or so, as we've been in this bull market, if you made progress in your company, there was probably a next round. Maybe it wasn't a sure. triple or quadruple of your last valuation, but you know there was going to be more money if you were continuing to make progress. And I think today, um, like we talked about, there is dry powder out there, but there's you know if there's the worry that even if you're making progress, you might be headed for a down round, and and that's yeah. difficult. Nobody wants to you know founders and investors don't want to go through that. Yeah. And what's so it's probably a good segue to to the work that you're doing at Lighter because there there definitely is an alternative for for any founders mm-hmm. listening. Why don't you share a little bit about your process or or how it's different? Yeah, so Lighter has provided over a thousand rounds of financing to over 500 companies. Um, most companies take more than one round of financing from us, and it's a very simple process. I mean, our, our high level criteria is clear before you even go through the process. In fact, on our, on our website, lighter capital slash apply, you can spend, I don't know, 40 seconds filling in a little bit of information and and it will tell you if it's potentially a good fit, if it's potentially worth having a conversation 
filling out the main application, which takes about 10 minutes. But the minimum MRR, which is monthly recurring revenue, is $15,000. So you have to have at least that much before um, we could fund your company. And we're looking for um, that revenue to come from a variety of customers. Typically, if it's one customer, that would be probably too much customer risk, customer concentration risk for us. Yeah. Um, looking for companies that have been in business for at least a year and have had revenue for at least six months. And companies that um, have, are either operating in the US, Canada, or Australia. Okay. So it's really simple. <laughs> The high the metrics are fairly simple. The metrics, yeah, for sure, they're simple, and it se- it doesn't seem you know unattainable. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. And the other nice thing, I, I guess, f- that I imagine is uh, is attractive in general, especially right now, is that you know you're you're not diluting your 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 company in terms of and you're and this is correct me if I'm wrong, but the the payment is is revenue based, right? Like you collect thirty to forty percent, I guess, on the on the um, the funds that are being no no uh, no it's it's usually like five percent so oh, okay it's a small percentage of revenue it's typically sub ten percent um, and it's basically a fixed amount that's paid so it's not a percentage of revenue forever it's a fixed amount so we will provide you with X dollars and we'll say you're going to pay us back X plus Y. So that'll be a sure. fixed amount and you'll pay us back a percentage of your revenue until you hit that X plus, plus Y. So if you grow faster, okay. we model to be paid back usually in three years. And if okay. you grow faster than you had, mo- you had thought, or we had thought, then we'll get paid back faster. And that's great for us. And it's, it's great for you. You know, you don't pay back yeah. more, but you just pay it back faster, which is really good for our IRR. That's how we make our money. Um, and so our interests are, you know, very much aligned with yours. We want you to, we want, once we, you know, we are much more than money. Um, once we provide you with funding, we help plug you into our community. We have perks, discounts, we open up other resources. Um, and we want to do what we can for you to grow as quickly as, as possible, because that's good for you and good for us. Yeah. Well, that that was actually going to be my follow-up question. It was just to, to see, uh, on top of the capital, um, just like what what are some of the conversations that either you or the team like what what's some of the advice right now that you're giving to founders as they you know m- maybe coming into a round of financing or preparing for some mm. for, for for their next round and so forth like what would be what would be the questions you'd get them to think about? Um, well, if they're going into a venture round, I always advise you know make sure if you do take venture money and you give up you know your give up uh, your most valued asset, which is your equity in your company, which, you know, might be worth um, millions, hundreds of millions, billions someday, you know, don't give that up easily unless you're really getting something beyond capital in return. Um, So look at, make sure if you're taking any kind of equity that comes with, you know, control or advice that the, the person providing the capital has, you know, is, supportive of your vision and is really there to support your vision. And they, they see that as their primary role, supporting your vision. Gotcha. Where, and where are you, where are you seeing, where are you seeing founders thriving right now? Cause there's a lot of, if you, if we look at the media, I mean, it's, it's always negative to in general, let's just mm-hmm. say, but there's just a lot of like survival talk, let's say. And, and what we're really trying to do is, is help 
you know, stack the deck a bit or provide some advice on you know, actually there's there's actually a lot of opportunity in a market like this where you where you can thrive. But if you yeah. had to advise, you know, your founders on a few key aspects, where would you get them to focus? Um well, do you mean thriving in terms of different verticals that are thriving or yeah, like it doesn't just have to be financial, but I mean, is it a, a focus on the team, um, yeah. mental well-being? Okay. Like, what where are you seeing like kind of the? And I, I realize it's it's you know all situations are different, but in general, if you're if you're picking up any themes for mm. successful, uh, you know, yeah. use cases, let me know. Well, we just um, we have CEO groups that is that are open, and they we they're offered at no cost to lighter capital CEOs, and we mm. actually were just discussing this in one of the groups um, yesterday, in fact, two days ago. But you know, what do you what the question was? What do you do for your mental health? You know, okay. and you know, usually the topics around what CRM system are you using, or you know that kind of thing. But this was, you know, what do you do for your mental health? And I, I think that that was. Um, you know, it, 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 we got some diverse answers there and it just, you know, it's clearly important as we talked about earlier that, you know, if you, if you don't have that, if you're not in a good place there, it's going to be difficult to weather storms and just difficult to do this very stressful job of running a startup anyway. And, you know, the most common answer, which is probably not a surprise to anyone was just how important exercise is. And how yeah. important it is to get that physical activity for your your mental well being and for managing stress. Um, oh, I was just actually with um, a friend of mine who I went to went to school with. And we had our reunion recently. Um, he's the CEO of Etsy, and okay. he was telling us that he, which is a big company, right? I think he said they did three billion dollars whenever their platform last year. But wow. he was telling us this group that he takes a nap every day. In his office every day. Okay. I love <laughs> and it. I'm thinking, well, I want my business to go to a three billion so I can take a nap every day. But I mean, he's, you know, he's, he look, he's incredibly effective. Um, yeah. A great CEO. And he just, for him, it's that, you know, he's, he's figured that piece out that, you know, you've got yeah. to, and he just said he's just so much better after that. You know, it's 20 minutes or something, but so much better functioning and decision-making after that. And so much worse mm -hmm. on days when he doesn't do it. Hello, everyone. I want to first thank you for listening to this limited series and let you know if you're looking for more insights and resources designed specifically for startups and scale-ups, we've got you covered. Head over to highgrowthventures.com.au. That's highgrowthventures.com.au. Now back to the show. But I feel like it reminds me of, I interviewed, um, I know you're in Seattle right now, but that you live in, in, in Australia. So the, mm -hmm. this was an Australian interview a few years back uh, f by the CEO or with the CEO of Swiss Vitamins, Radic Sally. Okay. And um, he shared when he was CEO at that time, they had, I think he had, his his office was was glass walls so we you know you obviously could see into the, his office and he made it a point to come in in the morning and i think in the afternoon as well and meditate on a couch yeah. in his office everyone can see and mm -hmm. we talked about that for a while and and he said it just it really 
shifted the pulse of, of yeah. the organization or the, or the company just showing that like, that's okay to, you know, take that time for, yeah. for him. That was really important. And then all of a sudden there was a lot of, uh, you know, many other people doing, doing it as well. So, you know, just like coming back to founders that are leading teams, it, it's just that classic example of, of leading, leading by example. Right. And, yeah. right. And, and setting yeah. that, setting a bit of a tone for the culture. Yeah, one of the things that we did, so I came in at, into the CEO role in September of 2020, so in the pandemic, and, you know, the team, and it was, I, I inherited a fantastic team, incredible, incredible team. Um, they had always been together in the office until March of 2020. Mm-hmm. And, um so, you know, how do you keep that connectivity going? And, and also, how do you then have downtime during the pandemic when you kind of think it's all downtime because you're not getting up and commuting? But um, yeah. one, of the, one of the policies that Lighter Capital had in place, which is pretty common among startups in the U.S., is unlimited vacation. And I remember I had been out of the U.S. for a while, and that wasn't a thing when I went, moved to Australia. So I thought, oh, that's really interesting. And I was thinking, if, if we had that in Australia, no one would ever come to work. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair. Are really, which is not true. Australians are very hard workers. But Australians get four weeks of vacation. Everybody does from, you know, the, the you know, lowest level of the company to typically the CEO. I mean, I think the CEO sure. now maybe has five weeks or something, but it's, it's there's not a big difference in vacation. But um, and everybody takes it. I mean, in Australia, it's for the most part. That's the startups, yeah. Startup founders don't ever a lot of times take vacation period, but but people do take holiday. And what I found out in lighter is that people weren't taking it. Like they had unlimited vacation, which sounds great, but they weren't taking yeah. any. Or when they were, there was an expectation that they would be on or be available. So mm-hmm. one of the things that we did is we put in place, um, we said we would pay a bonus of $500. So not huge, but if you take a week, we want you to take more than a week, obviously, but if you take a week without responding to email, you get a $500 bonus. And if you, if you respond to email once you don't get it, you know, unless it's really an emergency okay. so we'll text you, if it's an emergency, we'll text you. But, um, and then we just started celebrating it when people did, take that time. We would celebrate, we celebrate it in our all hands. We talk about it. What did they do? And, you know, we kind of shame them a little if they did get on email, but you know, the whole idea is sure. Turn off. And we know know, this is good for them, but it's also good for the company. You know, if you have people that are rested and motivated and refreshed, it's just going to be a a better environment all around. What did you notice uh, after that, that policy was implemented. I mean, I'm assuming that, you know, more people were taking time off, but did you notice, you know, an energetic shift at all or? Well, I, I mean, we're on zoom for the most part, we do two offsites and we have our, we have two all company meetings a a week. So it's not like I can say, Oh, when we did that, I saw productivity go to this. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Fair. But I, it's interesting. I have, now seen in surveys that we've done among employees that, you know, that, um, you know, there's an, an encouragement to take time off and that's really good. And it's all been said positively, like, this is really good that, you know, we feel okay about, you know, taking holidays. So I think that, um, you know, I, 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 I wasn't around long enough before I wasn't around sure. long enough before we had that policy to say, to really see a difference, but I've just, people seem to appreciate it. Yeah, of course. What one of the things uh, just st- sticking on the topic on, I, I guess we can say workload as as to expand it a bit because yeah. this was one of the topics that you had identified in the pre survey as being 
uh, I guess you could say one of the highest stressors right now for for founders and obviously capital is one of them. But mm-hmm. but on the workload um, front, which I mean that's probably been around for quite some time and is being exacerbated obviously right now of just what's going on. It's just, there's just so much, is so much happening. Um, are you seeing like with any, any examples with the companies that you work with where you're seeing just, you know, just really good situations or practices or, or, or best, best practices to just manage workload? Mm. Well, that's a really good question. I have to think of ours because we don't really get involved at that level of detail unless it's just coming up in conversation. Sure. But I would say the the example you gave earlier of the CEO who meditates, I mean, it's really important to lead by example. So yeah. um, if I never take a holiday and then tell people to take it, they're not going to, Right. And yeah. I'm on email all hours of the night because I'm in Australia and, you know, and so what I've made really clear is that I don't expect um, any, I don't expect people to respond to emails outside of work hours. You know, if they do, I'm not going to, cause I know people work different hours, especially now during the pandemic. Some people really like to, you know, take, you know, take the afternoon off to go do something else and then come back on at night. But, but there's not yeah. the expectation that you're going to be on on the weekends or outside of work hours. But then the flip side is we, um, you know, we really, we have uh, a couple times where the whole company's together a week and there is a strong expectation that you, you know, you're there. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And we have two offsites that are really fun. I'll show you some videos, but that are just such a great opportunity for people to come together and bond and that there's, you know, that's a, a requirement of the job. Like there are two reasons not to be in an offsite, like you're sick or you're dead. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's so, so important. Come together, yeah. Of course. Um, Melissa, are there any questions that we're not asking founders right now that you think we should be? Um, I think it's great what Amanda's doing in terms of focusing on that sort of founder well-being early in the journey. Mm-hmm. That's something that we haven't asked historically. And it was almost, not only did we not ask it, but it wasn't okay to ask it. It's like the idea was yeah. that you're supposed to just, you know, not sleep and go nonstop. And it's a badge of honor. I mean, the, when I ran the industrial supply company, I took one holiday in five years and I yeah. told, you know, I'd say that I took one holiday in five years and that was like a nine day holiday. And, and I look back on it and think how stupid that was. And, you know, maybe the company maybe would have had a higher return to the investor if, if I had taken more and if I had done some refreshes. So I think um, what's going on now, we are asking founders, you know, what they're doing for their, you know, for their mental and physical well-being and really understanding how important that is to the success of the company. Sure. Well, and just to give, I mean, it, it definitely was part of the culture, right? The, you know, <laughs> in those times, and it's it's slowly starting to change, which is which is nice to see, and especially with sleep. I, I feel like one of the big turning points, at least where I noticed it, was yeah. uh, when uh, Ariana Huffington really started to talk about how she had passed out from being sleep deprived, essentially, and yeah. and I think she hit her head and ended up in the hospital or something, and and it was just that you know she was working nonstop and sleeping yeah. three or four hours a night. And that really set up, uh, at least in the U.S., quite a quite a buzz, and in Canada as well, around the the importance of sleep. And it's mm-hmm. you know not 
it's not actually a badge of honor to only be able to operate on three or four hours of sleep. It, yeah. it eventually catches up to you. So yeah, I'm happy it's starting to shift. Um, yeah. Any resources at all um, that like books, podcasts, or apps, websites that, you know, that you find helpful or that you'd like to direct anyone to, whether it's financial, financial help or um, uh, mental well-being and so forth? Um, there are so many meditation apps out there. And yeah. so I think that is a good one to get on. But I, I think everybody has different, different um, ways of operating. For me, I love to be in a group setting. So I love all the, you know, how many steps did you walk this week? You know, I love it when there's sure. somebody else and we're kind of doing something together. And if there's a little bit of competition, that's really fun too. So yeah. anything that you can, you know, we do walking Wednesdays as in, you know, at work and can't do it in the Australia okay. time because it's too early, but anything that you know, you can do to get exercise or some physical activity in your life on a regular basis. And that could be through an app or it could just be through a buddy system. Sure. What are some of your non-negotiables? I mean, you're traveling quite a bit. So what's, what are some of the things that, because you know, when we're at home, obviously it's a little bit easier when we're in a regular routine, but as soon as we start to travel, usually a lot of that drops. So are there any kind of non-negotiables for you, for your health that, you know, it takes a lot to move. Yeah. So one thing, this might not sound very impressive, but when I started this role, you know, I was doing a lot of, um, a lot of meetings at four and 5 AM because of the time difference. So, okay. um, I put in place an almost non-negotiable that I, my, now my day starts, my meetings start, and this is when I'm in Australia at 6 AM. And I just made that a non-negotiable and it, it took a while. Cause sometimes, you know, there's someone on the East coast, maybe an investor or a potential investor that I, you know, they'll, they'll offer a time up and it's, you know, 3am my time. And I would have taken that yeah. at one point. Now I just, I, I, I won't almost always won't. Yeah. I just can't function. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then, um, yeah, I probably, you know what, on it, I probably don't have enough non-negotiables. I've got to get, I've got to, I've got to work on that. <laughs> well, you've got the question you. now, so that's good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, just lastly, like any, any books or podcasts that uh, you enjoy or you're seeing uh, good value for founders? So I've, I've talked about this on other podcasts, but you know, there's a few, I mean, uh, built to last. If you haven't read that is a great mm. one. Um, good to great is a great one. Same author. Um, uh, the hard thing about hard things. That's one I could read over and over again. And it's not, yeah. it's just got a lot of great anecdotes in there that are, that are just helpful to read when you're a founder going through the hard times. Yeah. Well, it's just perspective shifts, right? Just yeah. to pull out of the current, you know, tornado that you may be in and just to realize, first of all, you're not alone. And, yeah. and secondly, that, you know, there's, there are options and, and, Again, just like subtle shifts to th just think a little bit differently. Yeah, and, and look, and, uh, there's there's a lot of great books out, but I think most of what you read in those books are common sense. But it's just a good reminder every once in a while to yeah, to, um, you know, and there'll be a new a new nugget in all of them. It's the same thing in the mental fitness front because I mean that's primarily where I'm working, and it's like a lot of these practices. You know, they've been around since the beginning of time and whatnot, and they're, for the most part, 
working on the same premise of increasing our self-awareness, helping us slow down a bit, just giving us a bit of a micro pause and, and so forth. And we just need those reminders because when we're we're not doing those things and we're in regular, you know, pace of life, it's just fast yeah. out there and it's easy to slip into autopilot. So, you know, we do need those reminders and and, and sometimes it's just having the book on your desk, right? Yeah. Or near you and be like, oh, picking it, picking it up and 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 reading a couple pages and that's you know, that's enough to shift your mind. And so I would important. say for mental health, um, at least for me. Uh, I would say make sure you do some reading that has nothing to do with business. Because when I'm mm. reading those business books, I get really excited. <laughs> I want to start. Yeah, of course. Getting <laughs> so writing notes all over the place. Yeah. 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 And it's not a relaxing, it's really interesting, but not relaxing. So yeah. I need to have, I need to, I, I read, I've always got two or three things going at one time. And, you know, right now I'm reading, a historical fiction book by Anne Gilbert. That's, that's great. And it's mm. really about botany and, but so completely has nothing to do with yeah. you know, my, my day job, but, um, but you make sure you're, you're doing something with your mind that's away from work and that will make you probably better and sharper at work. Oh, for sure. Well, thank you so much for, for your time and insight and, and, you know, little nuggets of, of wisdom and whatnot. Super helpful. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Mark. Well, thank you for sticking around for the entire episode. I hope you enjoyed the chat. And again, for more startup and scale up resources, swing over to highgrowthventures.com.au. That's highgrowthventures.com.au. Have a stunning day.